Thank you, praise team. Once again, always, yeah, absolutely. Um, not a clapping for their performance, but just clapping for the moment where they are truly up here worshiping, inviting us in to worship. We have an absolutely uh, blessed praise team here. Well, good morning, Harvest family. I know, Bill, I can always count on a good morning from you. Good morning, <laughs> Harvest family. It's good to see you this morning. My name is Barry Cole. If, if I haven't had the privilege of meeting you yet, I've preached here a couple of times before, shared my story then, so I'm not going to bore you with all the details of our story again. Unless you want to know, ask me after the service if there's one topic I like to talk about, it is myself. And so I <laughs> certainly would glad to share that story with you. But I am thrilled to have the opportunity to open up God's Word these next few moments and share this time of worshiping in His Word with you this morning. And so if you have a Bible with you today, and I hope that you do, I hope it is your habit uh, to bring a copy of the Word of God with you, I'm going to ask you to take it and turn with me to the 23rd Psalm, uh, one of the most well-known, one of the most beloved passages of all Scripture. And, you know, in fact, the 23rd Psalm is one of those passages that, that whether, whether you're a believer or not, you know, you, you probably have heard the 23rd Psalm. Most people know it, they recognize it when they hear it, and that's a good thing. It's also a challenging thing. Because I think those of us who have spent some time in church and those of us who have heard the 23rd Psalm, and we get a little bit, I don't want to say jaded, but a little bit comfortable with the message. We miss the beauty of this incredible poem. David writes the 23rd Psalm, and you, remember, you know anything about David. David was, everything David did was legendary. And he was a legendary general, a legendary soldier, a legendary fighter. He is still considered the so legendary king of Israel. Everything David did was, was just amazing, and he writes this beautiful psalm, Psalm 23. And I think sometimes we read it so much, we hear it so much, we really miss the beauty of it. These next two Sundays, you're stuck with me. Today and next Sunday, you're just stuck with me, and I thought I got two Sundays. And so I want to take the 23rd Psalm. I would love to be able to just open it up and pick it apart and just swim in the goodness that God put in there. But we'll, we'll cover as much as we can. Verses 1 through 3 today, verses 4 through 6 uh, next Sunday. Jeannie and I have been here at Harvest just a few months. Um, I said I wasn't going to tell my story. Okay, I lied. I'm going to tell a little bit of it. Uh, God moved us back here in November, and so we have been here at Harvest, been in Eugene here just for a few months, and we have been waiting for God to reveal his next steps for us. Um, we knew he brought us here to Oregon, and we knew that uh, we had a future ministry work that he brought us here back to the States to do. We didn't quite know what that was, and so he, he told us, plan here at Harvest, get plugged in. So we've been here a few months just waiting for his next steps. Last week, the last two Sundays, we were gone. We were up in Corvallis, and God has revealed his next steps for us, uh, and that is for us to move there and I will be serving as the lead pastor at First Baptist Church in Corvallis. And we're excited about God's next steps. But while we thought Eugene was going to be our forever home, and, you know, you've heard our story, we're a retired military family. We've moved a lot of times, and we thought Eugene was going to be it. This is going to be our forever home, but now we move again, and that's coming up very soon. Unexpected. But life's like that, isn't it? I mean, it's often that way. We don't often know what's around the next corner, what's around the next bend. There's often unexpected things 
that happen in life. It's a little bit hectic now and again, isn't it? Life is just like that. Pastor Brian's been doing this sermon series on soul care. Two, two separate series, different series, soul care and soul care 2.0. Not the same sermon series, fresh and new 2.0. But he's been doing this sermon series on soul care. And as he's out these weeks practicing what he preaches, that's a good thing for us as a church. To see that he's not just talking about that. He's not just talking about how to care for our souls. He's not just saying these are things that you ought to do, that he's doing that, modeling that. And while he's out these weeks practicing soul care, I want us to see what David would have to say to us in this amazing poem that he writes for us about how you and I can experience this rest at the core of our souls. That's what Jesus said, come to me. If you're weary, you're, you're heavy laden, I will give you rest in your soul. Do you know what I'm talking about when you need that? I'm not talking about taking a nap. As much as I love a nap, Sunday afternoons, boy, that is the time, right, to get a good nap. So all the heads nodding up and down. That's the most response I've gotten from you every time I've preached. But, I, but I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about physical rest. You know what I'm talking about? That's that need deep down in the core of who we are. And David, I think, has some things to teach us about how we can experience that as a constant in our lives, even though our lives are a little unpredictable and our lives can be a little bit hectic and the road is often bendy and we don't know what is happening. These, what we read here in Psalm 23, these are not the musings of a young, naive shepherd boy laying out in the field and staring at the clouds and just wondering and thinking these grand theoretical thoughts about God. That's not what we're reading here. David knew the stuff of real life. David experienced the highest highs and the lowest lows. David went through some things. He experienced God's favor. And he experienced God's discipline. He endured the loss of a child. And I know some of you have endured that and gone through that pain. David experienced that. He experienced another son, Absalom, who tried to kill him and take the throne. I can only imagine what those family reunions were like, right? He experienced challenges, the realness of life. And so what we read here, when David talks about green pastures and he talks about quiet waters and he talks about fearing no evil because you are with me. When we read those words, we're not just reading theoretical ideas from David's mind. We're, we're reading his heart. He's seen God's steady hand in good times and in bad. And we get a glimpse of that here in Psalm 23. So you've got your Bibles open there. I'm going to read just the first three verses of Psalm 23. And you follow along with me. There it's up on the screen. If you didn't bring a copy of God's word with you, it's up here on the screen. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And Father, we thank you that we can spend a few moments here this morning and just be blessed by what you taught to this misman David, the man after your own heart. And Father, as we spend these moments and we talk about how we can experience soul rest, 
how we can come to you and be fed by you and be led by you and how that can be a constant in our lives of this rest for our souls. Lord, we just pray that as you will speak to us, as you have inhabited our time so far and you're going to continue to do that, and as you are here with us this morning, that we would be responsive to what your Spirit has to say to us. Lord, would you help us to do that in these next few moments? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When here's the big idea, Brian calls it the one thing. I call it the big idea, the main thought of the passage. And by the way, if you are a note taker, there's a note taking guide in the bulletin. If you want to take notes that way, the big idea is there on it. But this is the big idea. What I think is the main thought here, first three verses, that even when we don't understand what God is doing, that's true, right? Oftentimes we don't understand in the moment when things are happening, we have maybe more question marks than we have periods, right? More questions than answers. And we don't always know where God's going. We don't always know what he's doing. But when we don't, God is a good shepherd who leads and feeds his people. And what I want to do in these next few moments is I want to see how he does that. How he does that, how David saw that happening. God as a good shepherd how he led and fed his people and how he does that in a way that enables us to find this steady source of rest for our souls. How does God do that? Lead and feed his people. First thing I think we see there in Psalm 23 is that the shepherd is personally invested in his sheep. He, he's, got, he's got skin in the game, so to speak. He's got a personal investment in the lives of his sheep. David starts there in verse 1, and he says, the Lord. Shakespeare asks the question, what's in a name? As you read through Scripture, you, re you realize that God is called by many names throughout Scripture. And I found this little, this little booklet out on the table out there, and I grabbed it. It was the only copy I saw out there. I don't know if there's others. I encourage you to look around if there are others to grab one of these. If there are not other ones, you, I'll put this down there. You can fight over it after the service. But this... <laughs> The amazing names of the Messiah. And God is called by a lot of names in Scripture. And, you know, I dog-eared this little page here. And the significance of a name was particularly true in Bible times. In both Old and New Testament, names reflected personal experience or expressed character. And when you read through Scripture, you see these names that God is referred by. David starts out with the Lord, and you notice in almost in every English translation that's capitalized. And in many of them, it's in all caps. This, this is the name Yahweh. Jehovah is often how we say that in English. This is the name of God. It means the, the self-existent one, the eternal one. When he refers to himself as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, this is that idea. The one who created it all, the one who commands it all, this is the one that David refers to. This is the name of God. As he thinks about God as his shepherd, that's the name that comes to mind. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd. Not just a shepherd, but that's true. Not just the shepherd, although that is true, a very personal reference. He is my shepherd. And I want you to wrap your head around this. 
and I'm going to say it, and if you're taking notes, you're going to fill in the little blank on your note-taking guide, and then I'm just going to pause for a second and let the truth of this sink in. And, and as, as it sinks and as you wrap your head around this truth, your head is going to explode. kind of wishing I wore a poncho today. It's going to get messy in here in just a minute. Wrap your head around this thought. Yahweh, the great I am, the one who knows every star by name. He's the one that holds the universe together, commands every single thing. This one, wrap your head around this, knows your name. I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. God knows your name. Our names represent us. They represent something very personal about us. When David thinks about God, he says, God, this great exalted one knows me personally. Do you realize that? Do you realize the significance of that? The, the sheer wow factor of that? Jesus said in John chapter 10, and by the way, you can't help to miss, but, but to see the connection here between these two. Psalm 23 is not what we would call a messianic psalm necessarily. It's not necessarily pointing directly forward to Jesus. Psalm 22 does, but Psalm 23, not so much. But you can't help but to see the connection. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. God is my shepherd. Jesus calls himself in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. You can't help but to see that. John chapter 10, verses 14 and 15, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. And listen to this, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. How well does the Son know the Father? Jesus said, I and the Father are one. And that's, Jesus said, that's how well I know my sheep. That's how well my sheep know me. When God looks at you and I, if you're a child of the King this morning, if you are a follower of Christ, either here in this room or joining us online, when God looks at you, you are not just another speck in the universe, a little dot on that tiny blue planet that's spinning around that one star over there. You are not just an insignificant dot. He knows your name. You're a son or daughter of the King. He is your shepherd. I think what that tells us is God's not distant. He's not just way out there, disconnected, disinterested in what is going on in your life. And he's not just standing by. He's not just here acknowledging your existence. Hey, there you are. He's not just standing by. He's personally involved personally invested. That's what we see. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. And he said, as a result of that, he goes on in verse one, as a result of the fact that the great I am is my shepherd and knows my name, he said, I shall not want. And we realize that God is not just idly standing by. He is actively personally involved and invested in your life and in mine. 
I'm a city boy. I was born outside of Philadelphia. I was raised here in Eugene. I know absolutely zero by personal experience about sheep or any livestock for that matter. I don't know anything about it. I can identify them most of the time. I can get them right. But I don't know anything about them. We lived in Italy and there were shepherds everywhere. And every once in a while you would see a herd of them would come across just block traffic for 15 or 20 minutes. And you'd see them just go across the street. That's my sum total experience with sheep. I don't know anything about them. David knew something about being a shepherd. You remember what David did for a living before he was King David or General David or even Soldier David. David was Shepherd Boy David. He knew a thing or two about being a shepherd. He knew what being a shepherd involved, what the task of shepherding meant. Shepherding meant defending the sheep and feeding the sheep, healing wounded sheep, loving the sheep, caring for their every need. And when he thought about God, he saw that in his own life. God took those roles, did those things for him, those key critical tasks of shepherding. Sheep are completely helpless. They need constant care, meticulous attention. It's not an accident that Jesus refers to us as sheep because that's the way we are. And we think about and we realize who this God is. That's why I asked you to wrap your head around this idea of the fact that Yahweh knows your name because we realize he's personally invested in our lives. He's personally involved. That's what Paul said in Romans 8, 28. He said, we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him, those who are called according to his purpose. And I just want you to think about the, the way Paul words that how many things does God cause to work together? Not just the big stuff, right? I think there's a temptation sometimes to say, this is too small. You know, I don't want to bother God with this. He's got a lot going on all running the universe and all of that. I'm not going to bother him with this insignificant little thing that is going on in my life. But Paul said God is interested in all of it. And he's not reacting to all of it. Oh, look what they did now. I guess I better work that for their good. Oh, look what's happening over there. I guess I better engage in that. God's on the front end of that, causing those things to work together. He's actively involved. His hands are in our lives. There are times, though, we can't see what he's doing. And the question marks always come up. And the, the moments when we don't know what is happening, what God is doing, where he is leading, why the path is turning this way. We don't know where he is leading, and we can start to question him. But when you can't see what his hand is doing, let me just encourage you this morning. When you can't see what God's hand is doing, choose to trust his heart. To know that he is a good shepherd, a loving shepherd who cares deeply for you, his sheep. And that's, the, I think, the first thing we can't, we can't help but to see in this beautiful poem is that the shepherd is personally involved in his sheep. Second thing, though, how can we have this soul rest as a, a constant source 
in our lives, a constancy of what God is doing, that we can lean into him and experience rest when life is going like this. How can we have that? Verse 2. David said, he makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. The sheep trust the shepherd. I I read a book recently. It's by a man named Philip Yancey. It's called A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. Philip Yancey was a pastor for many years, but before that he was a shepherd. And he used that experience and then he goes back and and he reads through Psalm 23 And he sees things in Psalm 23 that you and I probably wouldn't see because he sees it from a shepherd's perspective. And David there in verse 2 said, He makes me lie down in green pastures. And sheep need certain things, Philip Yancey says in that book. Sheep need certain things before they will lie down, before they'll get comfortable, and they need to feel safe. They need to feel like they can trust the situation. And when they get into the pastures, David said he bring, God brings us to places where we can lie down. They do that because they trust the shepherd. Sometimes, though, the shepherd would take the sheep out of the pasture. Now, I've not been to Israel, and I don't know how many of you have been there. When I, when I hear that description, that verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures, what does that pasture look like in your mind? To me, that pasture looks like this amazing yard out here that Bill and all these other guys are out here maintaining. That's what the pasture looks like to me. But if you've been to Israel or you've seen pictures of Israel, you, you say that's not what most of it looks like. It looks a little more deserty. A little more desolate, a little more dry. The pastures are more like these little clumps of grass along the way. And sometimes the shepherd would take the sheep from one little clump of grass where they had been grazing, and he'll move them out into a long stretch of desert. The sheep don't know what's happening. They don't know why. They don't know how long it's going to be before they hit another pasture. And the shepherd doesn't ever explain it to them. They're sheep. David was there. Many believe that David wrote Psalm 23 right after his son Absalom tried to kill him, to take over the throne. David was there in maybe one of those desert stretch moments, and maybe you are too. So I don't know why I was comfortable in that, in that pasture over there. God, why did you take me out of it? And all I can see is sand, and I don't know how long it's going to be before we hit another pasture. Maybe that's where you are today. That's where David was, I think. But the sheep follow, and they follow the shepherd. The sheep follow the shepherd out there. They trust the shepherd because he's proven himself trustworthy. Let me just ask you something. If you have been following God for some time, when you look back over your life, has there ever been a time when God has failed you? Ever been a time when he has let you down? Ever been a time when he has not come through? And it's not just your life. We have this amazing collection here that we call God's word, not so that we have something to talk about on Sunday. 
Not so we have something to read or something to give us a warm fuzzy. We have an amazing collection of God's track record of faithfulness, his track record of trustworthiness right here. And I think often our idea of God is too small, right? Too this worldly, very much too human. We think of our own limitations and, and our own sense of failure, our own boundaries in our lives, and somehow we superimpose that on God and say, I can't carry something beyond this line. God can't either. The Hebrew writer said this in Hebrews chapter 6. He said, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to hold firmly to the hope that is set before us. Do you see it in that passage in Hebrews chapter 6? Do you see it? God is not like us. You and I can be very, very untrustworthy. Amen? You and I will fail. You and I will let each other down. You and I will disappoint each other. God is not like us. It is impossible for him to be untrustworthy. He cannot be any other way but to be trusted. We have some friends in Romania and in Moldova. And if you, if you look at the map of Europe, those countries are in very close proximity to Ukraine. And we have some friends there that are still to this day at the border helping refugees, shuttling supplies back and forth, helping those that are trying to get out of Ukraine, get out of Ukraine. They're still there. They've been there since the very beginning of this mess that's going on over there. And day by day, they have more questions than answers. I mean, many of the people in their churches, the churches in Romania and Moldova, are very, very poor. And so those folks that are there at the border, often they just have more questions than answers. How long is this thing going to go on? Where are the supplies going to come from today? Where are they going to come from tomorrow? They often don't know the answers to any of those questions. But they know this, that they're exactly where God wants them to be, doing exactly what he's called them to do. And they know this, that he has proven himself trustworthy every single day they have been there. And he's going to do it again tomorrow. And we think about why do the sheep follow the shepherd unquestioningly from one pasture to the next through the desert times. They don't wander out of formation, so to speak. Why do they do that? Because they absolutely trust the shepherd who has proven himself trustworthy. And when you hear verse 2, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for just a second. I'm going to read verse 2. And I want you to think about the scene that you, that you see in your mind's eye about from verse 2. And I want you to tell me what, what word comes to mind. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. What word comes to your mind when you see that scene? Peaceful, right? This serene, calm pasture with these quiet waters, that's the, the thought that comes to your mind when you, when you think about that scene there. 
You know, that peace is not a one-and-done thing for the follower of Christ. It's not something that, that God gives us and says, well, that's good enough. I'll never have to move again in that. I'll never have to resupply that. Then I'll never have to come to you again. It's not a one-and-done thing. That kind of peace can be a constant reality. Did you notice something about that in verse 2? Pastures, waters, they're both plural. This is not a one-time thing for the follower of Christ. He doesn't lead us to a pasture, lead us to water, and say, that's it. It can be a constant reality that God is constantly leading us back to these moments. The pastures are where the sheep are fed. This green pasture, this idea, it's where they lie down. It's where they rest. Maybe you need to be fed. Maybe that's what you desperately need from God today. Maybe you need rest. That's what you need today. That's what the sheep find in the pasture. The waters are where they're refreshed, where they're rejuvenated. It's going to be hot this afternoon in the mid-90s. If you're outside doing anything this afternoon and you grab some cool water and you, you slam it back, that's refreshing, right? It's rejuvenating. That's what the sheep find in that water. Maybe that's what you need most today. Lord, I need refreshment in my soul. I need to be rejuvenated down to the core of who I am. That's what the sheep find in this pasture after pasture after pasture and water after water after water. For the follower of Christ, that's what life can look like. This constant sense of peace, not because of our circumstances, but in spite of them. We say, I have peace, not because of what is going on around me, but because of he who lives within me. Because of he who is leading this, I have peace. And I can find it in him, and I can lean into him, and it's a constant source That's the peace that Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 4. It doesn't make any sense, right? When things are happening and it's topsy-turvy and life is confusing and there's another thing that came up and it's absolutely unexpected and you have a sense of peace in your soul. So that doesn't make any sense. It's beyond explanation, beyond comprehension. That's the kind of peace that Paul is talking about. You know how you get that? You know how you experience that? As you read through what Paul says there in Philippians chapter 4, that comes when you bring your concerns and you bring your issues to God and you place them on his desk, so to speak. And then this is the hardest part. You leave them there. Right? I don't know if you're like me. I, I give God my problems and then I want to meddle in the solution. You know, like God needs my advice. I feel, I feel compelled to tell him how he ought to handle this or how he ought to do that or what he ought to do to solve this, and I can't seem to take my hands out of what I've given him. And that kind of peace comes when we lay our concerns on his desk and just leave them there. So God, you're the only one that can deal with this. We don't find true soul rest in the comfortable spots of life. Those pastures don't last. Those comfortable moments don't last. They come and they go, and we don't find soul rest there. 
We find it in the steady, stable, trustworthy hand of the shepherd. If we think about how David saw his relationship with God, how he saw the shepherd, his, his hand moving in his life, he talks about this restful scene that, he, that God provides for him, and David saw this constancy of soul rest and the fact that the shepherd's personally invested, that he can trust the shepherd unquestioningly. But then the other thing I want us to see this morning is the shepherd leads us where we need to go. The shepherd leads the sheep where they need to go. Not often where they want to go. Not often where they might choose to go. But he leads them where they need to go. You've seen sheep. Sheep are cute, right? I mean, there's no other way. They're just cute animals. They just docile and they just they're just these cute little fuzzy things sheep are super cute but they're not very bright i heard someone say last week sheep have the average iq of 10 and they're not very bright i mean they're they're cute but and they will wander down any old path without regard for their own safety without regard for what what might happen to them there without regard for maybe their predators they will just wander down on their own they will wander off down any old path without regard for anything. And i got to be honest. Some days I look in the mirror and I just have to say, bah. <laughs> right? I mean, I think this, that's the other reason we're referred to as sheep. But the good shepherd is faithful. And he leads our hearts first where they need to go. If you're here this morning, you're joining us online. God may be calling you to him because this, that's where your heart needs to go. Look at the way he starts verse 3. He said, he restores my soul. That word restore there, it means to make like new again. I kind of think about if you know if you've ever seen furniture that's been restored, this old broken down, beaten up piece of furniture, and then you look at it after it's been restored. Say, wow, it looks like it's brand new. That's what that word means. To make it new again. The Bible says without Jesus, we're, we're alienated from God. We're, we're separated from him because of sin. We're not good people gone bad. We don't come into this world as blank slates and, and this mysterious force called society makes us bad. That's not the case. We come into this world separated from God. We come into this world alienated from Him. We come into this world with that sin nature in our hearts, separated from God. And if we exit this world the same way we came in, if we leave this world without Jesus, we will spend eternity separated from God, alienated from Him. But Jesus said this in John chapter 10, verse 10. He said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. See, the shepherd leads our hearts where they need to go. And that is to Him, to be restored. 
you and I in Jesus, though that's the reality of who we are, come into this world as sinners, separated from God, alienated from Him, that's the reality. But in Jesus, we can be restored. In Jesus, you and I can be made new. That old man washed away, that old man put to death, you and I can be restored. And notice what David said there. He said, he restores my soul. I'm going to ask you, show of hands, how many of you have been able to keep God's law absolutely perfectly? <laughs> Anybody? I was going to say, if your hand went up, well, you better put it down right away. Right? None of us. He restores my soul. And no matter how hard you try, no matter how many works you do, no matter how hard you try to be good all the time, we can never get there. See, that's the problem. Is that we try to earn our way into heaven, try to earn enough good gold stars in heaven to overcome who we really are. We're just setting ourselves up for eternal failure. We can't restore our own soul, but God can. The bad news is we're separated from God because of our sin. The good news is that Jesus came to this world, left the splendor of heaven, lived a perfect life, died a death on the cross that you and I should have died for our sins, but he died for us that our sins might be forgiven. We might be restored to God. And not only can he, but he wants to. And he does that when we place our faith in Christ. Now listen, if you're here this morning, if you're joining us online this morning, and you are not certain where you stand with God, if you were to die right now, right after this service, I pray that you don't, but if you were to pass over into eternity, if you're not certain where you would spend eternity, I beg you, plead with you after the service, come talk to one of us. Just simply say this, I need to know Jesus. Let him come into your life. Forgive your heart and make you new. He restores my soul. The good shepherd leads our hearts where they need to go. He leads our hearts and then he leads our lives. Look at the way he ends this. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Sheep are cute. They're not very bright. They're different from other livestock, though. With cattle, you can drive cattle, right? The cowboy can be at the back of the line and drive a herd of cattle. Sheep aren't like that. Sheep can't be driven from the back. They have to be led from the front. And Jesus went on in John chapter 10. John 10, 27, My sheep know my voice and they follow me. I think I've said this here before, to follow somebody means that we go where they go. They do, we do what they do. We think how they think. We speak how they speak. We can only know His voice. We can only follow His voice. We all need a regular time of connecting with Him in His Word, in prayer, spending quiet moments with the Lord. We all need that on a regular basis, not a one-off thing. Not just time here on Sunday, as amazing as this is, for us to come together and sing praises corporately. We need that time individually every day 
to connect with him. That's the only way we know his voice. That's the only way we can follow him. This world is full of noise. A lot of voices that are clamoring for our attention. And the only way that we can hear his voice ring out in that crowd is to hear it on a regular basis. We live now in three foreign countries. And when you're in in that kind of environment in a a foreign country, you hear the, the native language being spoken. And when you first get there and you speak none of the language, it's just noise. It's just sound. Until you hear one person speaking English, man, that rings out loud and clear. And you're like drawn to it. Someone over there, finally I can understand. Listen, when you spend regular time in God's word, you hear his voice. You hear his heart. So in the midst of the the noise of this world, you hear his truth ring out loud and clear. That's how he guides us in the paths of righteousness. That's how he leads our hearts. And then listen to his level of commitment to this. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We sang this earlier in one of the songs. It's not because of my goodness. It's not because of who I am. It's because of him. His commitment, His caring, His love are not because of your goodness or mine. They are because of His. And God will always, always do what brings Him the most glory. Listen, we have a good shepherd who is faithful to lead us. We have a good shepherd who loves us, who is invested in our lives. We have a good shepherd who is committed to us even though We're often not committed to him. And here at Harvest, we like to end our time with two prayers. One is a prayer of salvation. The other is a prayer of application. And if you're here this morning, as we talked a moment ago, if you don't know where you stand with God, I want to pray a prayer of salvation here in just a moment. There's nothing magical about the words to this prayer, nothing special about it. But if you mean the words to this, if you mean you want to do business with God today and you mean this prayer, I would encourage you, if you've never trusted in Christ, to say this prayer along with me, either verbally or say it in your mind. But if you mean it and you are serious and ask God to forgive you, he will. He will cleanse you and he will make you new. And so if you need that this morning, would you pray this prayer with me? Father, thank you that you love us not because of who we are, but in spite of it. Lord, I recognize that I am a sinner and that my sin has separated me from you. And I can never do enough to overcome that. But I thank you that you loved me enough to send Jesus for me. I believe that he died on a cross for me that he's resurrected for me and that he offers me forgiveness. Jesus, please forgive my sin and save me today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, if you prayed that prayer this morning for the first time ever, if you prayed that prayer, I encourage you to tell somebody. You've got a connection card there. If you haven't filled it out already, write that on the connection card. You prayed that prayer. You want to talk to somebody about that? If you're joining us online, either do that on the online connection card or email Pastor Brian, Brian at harvestchurcheugene.com, right, dot com, or is it dot org? Dot com. Yeah, so email Pastor Brian, let him know that so that we can come alongside you and help you take the next steps. That's the prayer of salvation. I also want to pray a prayer of application. Maybe as, as life has taken unexpected turns for you, you have not rested in who God is. You've not experienced that soul rest. You let your heart and your soul be all topsy-turvy with the waves of life, and you desperately just need to come before the Lord. Repent of that and ask him to give you that soul rest. If that's you this morning, pray this prayer along with me. Lord, thank you for your promise. Thank you for being a good shepherd, one who leads us, one who feeds us, one who takes care of us. We can count on you. And Father, I just want to repent this morning of the fact that I haven't always, I've doubted you, questioned your goodness. Father, thank you for your promise to forgive, and Lord, I just ask for your forgiveness for that. And Lord, would you help me to lean into you, to experience your soul rest, the green pastures and the quiet waters of you in the midst of life. Help me to not only sense your presence, but to look for it. Father, thank you for your goodness. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you need to talk with someone after the service, maybe there's some prayer you need, some encouragement you need, but either of those matters, I'll be available. Several of us will be available. Don't leave this place without responding to the way the Spirit is drawing you this morning. Let's stand together as we sing.